Thanks for tuning in. It's Chris Gilmore here and you're listening to another episode of Chris Gilmore On Demand and I have a really special guest so I've been quite excited for the last week about getting this guy in. So I've been following his story on social media and you guys should hook it up as well too. Uh, he goes, his real name is Glenn Lawrence but everyone knows him by Aussie. So uh, we're going to interview and just have a quick chat to Aussie. He's also a uh, motivational speaker. He's a massive Australian wildlife lover. Um, rugby league coach at the Logan Brothers, so everyone would know who Aussie is down there with uh, with the boys. Uh, and also is a big, or his business is Oz Capture Snake Relocation. So this one's going to be quite interesting because, as you all know, I hate snakes. So, Aussie, welcome to Chris Gilmore on Demand. How are you going? Yeah, mate, fantastic. And thank you very much for the opportunity to come here today into your office and uh, talk all things wildlife and have a bit of fun today. So, um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, I'm doing really great today. Quiet on the phones in regards to the snake call out. So, brilliant timing to be doing this. Thank you so much. Mate, that's all good. So, look, mate, for the people uh, that don't know your story, give us a bit of a what's the Aussie story? What's the background? And how did you get into, you know, motivating speaking and just loving, obviously, you know, the wildlife and stuff like that? Just give us a quick backstory about Aussie. Not a problem at all. Okay, well, to cut a long story short, in regards to the nickname, it's actually because of the glasses I wear, which are the same ones as what Ozzy Osbourne does, so hence the name. It's not um, A-U-S-S-I-E kind of thing. Um, but no, it all started for me in the motivation side of things when uh, through Glenn Twiddle I got to go and see uh, Dr Eric Thomas. Um, I'd been following his story of his rags to success and I uh, got really, really heavily inspired by that. And I thought, well, you know, I've been through some dark patches in my life as well with not having a father and a few other bad things that happened as a kid from bullying to uh, abandonment and all that kind of thing. And I thought, well, let's let's touch on that. So when you were growing up in school, you were bullied? Uh, yeah, quite heavily, yes. Yes, I was, yeah. yeah. Are you bigger than them now and you can kick the shit out of them? <laughs> I actually did quite a fair bit of martial arts, so I'm trained to defend myself more successfully, that's correct. Um, but yeah, I can I can hold my own if I need to. Yeah. Ah, there you go. So, look, I think it happens to the best of people. Um, you know, bullying does go on, but um, we won't really get into that. I've also had the privilege of speaking on stage with ET. Um, yeah, you know, he he really wants the crown. He wants to take over Tony Robbins, and I think uh, it, he, he goes by the hip hop preacher. So look up uh, Dr. Eric Thomas. I think uh, everyone's going to love him. So we've both had the privilege of meeting him. So he's the man that's inspired all this. Yeah, he definitely started the motivational side of things and inspirational talking side of things to put my story forth and try and you know inspire people uh, that I come across. Uh, I've done my own motivation events called Survive It's a Warrior where I've got up on stage, hired the hall, and I've done quite a few of them quite successfully as well. Brilliant feedback from them. You know, just telling my life story. It's not about the money. It's just trying to help humanity, so to speak. So, so yeah, no, they've been really good. So, yeah, Dr. Eric Thomas lit the fire, definitely. Okay, so when you get up on stage and, and you like to talk motivational, what's your message? What are you trying to get across to people? Uh, the main thing is is that, um, you know, throughout my life I haven't really, uh, you know, had the big bank account, the, um, you know, the, the fancy lifestyle or anything like that. But um, as I said, I've been through some really bad things in my life and I've bounced out the other end of it, you know, with a smile on my face and I haven't got depressed over it and I thought, if I can sort of go back there sometimes, which I had done through my entire life and then talked about it, it never bothered me so much. So I thought, well, maybe I could give this story to a larger crowd and try and inspire some more people out there that 
you don't need a million dollars in a bank account. You don't need a million successful, big entrepreneurial kind of friends out there to make an, you know, a, a positive footprint in your lifetime on this planet. You know, I encourage everyone to go tell your story if you've got something to tell. Yeah, that just got me up on stage and I did my events in the halls and stuff. They were really, really good. And, I really enjoyed, the feedback was great, so I've got people quitting smoking, some people stepped up to be better parents, I've got some people who have stopped drinking all the time, and I've had some people decide, you know, let's stop talking about what I want to do, let's stop thinking about it, I'm going to actually start implementing these goals that I've had my whole life. And I've done this on the back of a plethora of medical problems, a lot of stresses in my life, you know, plus everything that did go wrong in the background, it's always there on your shoulders, but I've learned not to look back on those things anymore, but use them to help other people. Wow, how good's that sound, guys? So we're going to be here for quite a while, so we're going to really just shoot off a lot of questions and stuff, but is that, you know, a lot of it is obviously around mindset, you know, and I think that's, it's true, you don't need a million followers, you don't need a million dollars in the bank account. I think, you know, a lot of people, have, everyone's got a story, but I think it's really how you just tackle it and how you get through it. And I think a lot of that does come down to mindset, but it looks like you've now found your passion. I want to know where did it start? When did it start? Is it recent or was it something when, you know, when you were growing up? Because most people, when they see snakes, they run away and you, you jump on your Facebook and, and they're cuddling you and you, 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 you just get really too close when most people run away. But obviously, you know, we had that tragedy, I don't know how long ago, it was probably 12 years ago with Steve Irwin. So, you know, obviously he was massive on the international scale, you know, putting Australia on the map, crikey, and, and just his outlandish, you know, I love the guy, you know, and I've been to Australia Zoo, we take our kids to Australia Zoo a couple of times a year just to, you know, to show them the wildlife and, you know, the how to treat animals and stuff like that. But for you, where did all that really start for you? I suppose as a kid, I was always that one who was collecting the weird reptiles, the weird bugs from the school oval in primary school. I'd take them home, I'd scare mum, um, put my uh, stepdad at the time into a bit of a panic, um, you know, to get rid of them. They'd be in my room and it's my bed. I'm talking red belly black snakes. I successfully, uh, sorry, not red belly black snakes. Um, red back spiders, big huntsmen. I was collecting praying mantises, successfully bred them without the females chewing the males' heads off. Uh, even things I used to call doodle bugs, which are uh, technically called an ant lion. Uh, they eat ants, build little funnels in the sand. I'd bring them home and uh, they were my pets. So uh, mum had a cat, I was allergic to that. So I just sort of, if it was weird, wonderful, I brought it home and I just found, uh, you know, I just loved watching these animals. Um, had rats for pets as well as when I was a kid. All, all sorts of weird things. You know, I was always happier at the bush. We'd go on family holidays and I'd just go to the beach. I would go down to the bush and get lost there for a few hours and. Uh, miss lunch, whatever it might be, so I was always wandering off. I always has had this affinity for anything weird and wonderful. And as time got on, Steve Owen sort of uh, come to light, started getting a, uh, a name for himself, and I found this is a guy I can relate to. Uh, he never talked, you know, he was never in fancy suits, flying around in helicopters, you know, he'd rock up in his car keys and his four-wheel drive, no matter what stage of his success he was in, and just go out there and just be the most passionate, you know. As you know, he'd walk up to a snake and goes, I just want to show you the beauty of this animal, you know, and he's just so animated and he never talked about any sort of money and I thought, this is a real grounded man, a, a real true blue Aussie, and I thought I can relate to this guy, his passion, his enthusiasm, and um, what he put out there was definitely um, attainable for anybody who put, you know, who wanted to follow in his footsteps or, uh, be a conservation and fight for wildlife in Australia. And I said, I just started loving the guy, I really did. Um, having the absence of male role models in my life, I had heroes when I was growing up. 
And um, when Steve Owen come to light, he was definitely my beacon of, um, yeah, I can, I can make a bigger uh, impact on this planet. So, yeah. Who were your heroes growing up? Okay, um, as I said, I got bullied a lot as a kid, so I used to get into the WWF back in the day in the Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant uh, days. But the one I really loved, once again because of his passion, uh, was the Ultimate Warrior. If you remember him, he'd bolt to the ring in five seconds, shake the ropes, destroy whoever was in there. His muscles were just bulging out everywhere. He had the tassels and the face paint, and I thought, this guy's real wild, but I loved his passion. And his energy was just through the roof, and uh, he had the whole world behind him. And uh, to, on a more serious note, uh, through my severe bullying uh, years, grade six, seven into high school, I used to just have this thought in the back of my head, it would be great to wake up to school one day and he can walk me there and he can deal with all the bullies. And uh, in his later years before he passed away, he became a motivational speaker himself. So he fired me up a little bit and he was the first motivational speaker I ever heard who dropped the F-bomb until, you know, Gary V's come along and everybody else dropping the F-bombs. But uh, Ultimate Warrior had a way of simplifying things. They were small words, but he yelled them at you and you didn't just hear what he said, you felt what he said still up until his dying day. So um, he was a hero and then it went to Steve Irwin. Throughout all of this has been David Ettenborough as well. And over the years, I've actually come close to some of my heroes. I've met Eric Thomas several times and um, I've met Glenn Twiddle several times. His inspiration is just awesome. And his success stories as well. And, you know, a lot of these other people I once looked up to, I'm sort of shaking hands with them or on one handshake away. So I'm in the circle now, I'm in the zone. So my heroes are actually, I could say right now, Chris Gilmore, I'm in his office as I speak. And he's someone I see on bus shelters and stuff. And I see, you know, he's at these big seminars we do of motivation ones, inspirational ones. And there's Chris and he's always been a nice guy and I looked up to him and see, as soon as I started being the real me that you know um, that I think everyone started seeing that and they come to me so um, and vice versa so yeah I've, I've got a lot of heroes now but they're people who I get to talk to every day correlate with um, you know talk on Facebook talk in real life phone each other it's just an amazing place to be so heroes are everywhere mate that's all good I'll pay you later for that little plug in there but um, yeah okay so and I think everyone has, you know, with their story, they've got certain people that they, you know, they look up to. So, uh, you know, for me, uh, Gary Vee's a huge one for me. Um, you know, I think he's really come onto the scene and a lot of people are really just trying to emulate Gary Vee. And, but you know what I love? You said, you know, the ultimate warrior dropped the F-bomb and like I swear a bit. I try not to swear on the podcast because uh, Apple don't like it. But, you know, like it's, if that's you, that's you. Do you know what I mean? And like I, I recorded a podcast last night. It was about five things to quit. And it was all about stop trying to please everyone. Like not every, you, like, you know, you can't control hate. You can't control gossip. You can't control the bullies. You know, you can't control any of that. What you can control is your inner peace, you know, and your mindset and, and how you tackle it. And like, you know, like you look at, I don't know the full backstory, how bad you were bullied and all that. But look at you now. Like those guys, you know, they, they would probably be just so jealous of who you are now and what you've turned into, but it was probably them that's inspired you to just go, you know what, fuck you, this is who I am, this is what I want to do, and I'm not going to listen to anyone else. Do you know what I mean? And I, I just think that's amazing. Guys, just jump onto Facebook and just look up Glenn Ozzy Lawrence and, and just follow. And you've got another Facebook page too, don't you? Wildlife Warrior? Oz Warrior, Motivational Speaker, and Wildlife Warrior as well, yeah. All right, so guys, check that out on uh, and connect with Ozzy on uh, on socials. So, mate, we let, let's get into the animals because that's obviously where you're very passionate about. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this is where it's probably going to get good. And you can just feel that in the room. Like, you can feel, like, you know, when someone talks to me, 
about motor racing or Formula One. Like, mate, I could just go on for days. I could just talk about Formula One because that's, you know, I was five years old when I started motor racing and I'm still doing it. Like, you know, I'm 38. Yeah, I'm 38. You know, so like I'm still doing it, but that's like my passion. So everyone has a passion. And if you haven't got a passion, you need to find a passion. But I think, you know, like a lot of people say, oh, you work a lot with real estate. And I'm like, yeah, but I love it. Do you know what I mean? And and people go, I think you're crazy. And I said, no, what I think is crazy is the people that sit on the bus for an hour and a half, mopey is all shit. They go to a job they hate and then they come home again. And they do that every single day of their life for 20, 30 years. And then you die. So I think when you actually do find your passion and what you love doing and you can make a career out of it and that's obviously what you're doing now with Oz Capture uh, Snake Relocations. I don't know if I've used you. I've got to look. I'm pretty sure because we had a snake at our home in Druva and it was wrapped up in the hose and there was no way I was going anywhere near it. So anyway, we got it relocated and they said they were going to put it in the bush somewhere and I'm like, okay, so which is great. But let's, let's get into how you got into like your passion and snakes and animals and wildlife especially the australian wildlife i'm guessing is is what you're you know you see the dead kangaroos on the side echidnas that, that probably absolutely tears you up and you know i don't like seeing it personally either but you know that's um obviously with more development and more humans being on the planet more of their habitat is being destroyed so let's have a chat about that all right well i'll cut a yeah cut another long story short as well clearly my passion was always there through my uh, entire life but to be honest with you it, it's quite an inspiring story uh, i hope and what happened was uh, me and my then ex well, she's now my ex-wife unfortunately but uh we unfortunately had unfortunately or fortunately uh definitely unfortunately you know we had a good family and stuff we still remain good friends and all that but uh what actually happened was we had credit with energex we'd been uh, having the direct debit uh, sent out and it just sort of worked out that we had about six, seven hundred dollars credit. Now we're not very good financial, like we're good with our money, but we never had very much of it. So it just worked out that this letter come in the mail, or somehow my ex knew about that, that we had this credit. At that same week, the opportunity came up on Facebook to become a snake catcher. The course was up at Kuroi, $595, and that's not money we normally had lying around. And I believe in destiny, I definitely believe in things happen for a reason. And I merged these two things together and it was all planned for me to go to Kuroi. And that was last uh, that was last August September, and I uh, went up there and um, spent a few nights up there, become a snake catcher. And halfway through the course, I actually got to do my first licensed snake relocation, which was amazing at the Airbnb I was staying at. And uh, so yeah, I did the course, come back, just built a page called uh, Oz Capture Wildlife Awareness, and that was just going to be a page I was going to put stuff, you know, just educational posts about what you can expect in the local areas about certain mammals, bats, perhaps, you know, uh, reptiles, all that kind of thing. Come back, I turned the page to Oz Capture Snake Removals, and uh, come back, and I merged with another guy named Blake, who ended up becoming now my business partner. Yeah, I turned it to Ozcapture Snake Relocations and within two weeks of establishing that page, no website, no money behind us, uh, no business cards, no nothing yet. We got our first phone call and it turns out our first capture was actually a just shy of two metre long Eastern Brown. Now, that's a uh, second deadliest snake in the world. One bite alone from a snake this big can actually wipe out 50 adult men. And I'm a six foot two guy, 100 kilos, but it has enough venom there to wipe out 50 people within an hour. And uh, that was our first capture. And what we got taught at Kuroi sort of went out the window because this thing was on the run. We couldn't use our hooks, our bags. I just had my gloves, my clothes on, my PPE. I've always got the correct stuff on. And I actually had to pick it up by hand. And uh, as I said, I'm six foot two. This thing's just shy of two meters or it might've been right on two meters. I've had to pick it up, 
put it in the bag and boom, it just went, you know, really big from there. We had snake people who do snake removals come to us and they're like, I haven't never got an Eastern Brown. I've been doing this for 10, 15 years. And um, yeah, just the word got out from there about that successful capture. And I'm not joking, you know, up until this current day, uh, there's rarely a day goes by where we don't get a call out and we're still in our first season. It's absolutely astronomical. And the inspirational part of this story I wanted to tell is that just after it started, the snake collapse were coming in. I broke up with my wife. I've had major back surgery, which I'm still off work for at the moment. I've had massive financial problems. I've had to move out of a home. I was a bit down because I don't see my son all the time now. I was used to tucking him into bed every night before I went to work because I still work a nine to five uh, in, in a factory uh, just down at Browns Plains. And, um, you know, all those kind of things were going on, but the phone calls still kept coming in. And I found every time I was having a downer, uh, I'd get the phone call and, you know, I, every phone call to me that I get from someone wanting a snake removal or relocation or a rescue for that matter, which we can talk about later, um, was, it, it's, it, I guess, it, you know, it's a dream come true and I never took any phone calls at all for granted. You know, that was someone wanting me to come out there and do that job for them. And um, I just, yeah, the passion just went up and my enthusiasm went up and, that was my um, antidepressant pill, I guess, was when the phone call rang, I don't, you know, go to the tablets when I'm having bad downtimes, whatever, and um, it's just gone astronomical. Like, we've had over 100 call-outs now and rescues, and uh, as I said, it's only our first season. It's just an absolute dream come true. So with all these things going on with the back surgery I've had, and they went through my stomach to do that, it was four massive procedures in one hit. Uh, breaking up with, with my family, I've got custody of my uh, my daughter though. You know, a lot of other things going on in life, financial woes, my first Christmas, you know, where we weren't together as a family, so had to find a unit, no money at all, working in a factory where, you know, people are, as you were saying before, you touched on it before, Chris, about, you know, people are miserable there, they're not the happiest, and. I'm not meant to be, you know, in a concrete jungle my whole life being told what I'm worth per hour. I know I've got a greater destiny than that. Money aside, but I go in there Sunday night and I leave Monday morning after I've done my shift and it's going to be the same thing for the rest of my life if I stay there, but my heart beated for something else. So uh, through all of this kind of stuff going on, I was still able to answer those calls, get those snake relocations, keep my head above water just on a financial sense and emotionally definitely just kept plodding along and now I'm running so as I said you know everything can be going wrong it doesn't mean you know you can't still go and you know put your best foot forward into something that you're genuinely passionate about it and I'll tell you the world your friends your family will respond and that's exactly what's happened with me lately so especially lately so um, yeah really good it really sounds like the the Gary V story like you you you, you work in a nine-to-five job you know, in a factory, which, um, you know, that's probably not where you thought your life would be. But what that allows you to do is to do your side hustle. And and this is your side hustle. And it's, you know, soon that factory job's not going to, it's, it's going to be seized because, you know, you, you, and this is, you know, what we talk about a lot is, is having that side hustle. A lot of people have that nine to five job. And then, you know, it's then what do you do between seven and two? 7 p.m. to 2 a.m. in the morning. You know, most people are sleeping. So, you know, if you are really passionate and you want to be an entrepreneur or you're trying to start a business, whatever your business is, that's the time when you get to do it. You know, you've just got to do your, your nine to five, but where your passion is, and you'll end up turning your passion into a full-time gig. You can see, it. like, I can see it right now. Like, you can't see that on a podcast, but like, I can see it right now. That the factory job's going to be gone within 12 months. You, you can, it's. I guarantee we'll come back in 12 months and we'll see where we are again but 
you know, well, absolutely. So, yeah, this all started. We saw you in the paper. You were in the local rag, and then I think you are in the Courier-Mail as well. So you've sort of gone, you know, global on in the Brisbane sort of an area with front page headlines and stuff like that with what you're doing which is great that's how we've connected here to do this today and then you you sort of spoke about like the 10 top suburbs in brisbane like you know like we're in the logan area so like, let's let's talk about the logan area where are you finding majority of the snake and why i i think i have a reason why uh, because i'm selling those properties um but you know what i mean it's it's and that's more of that's only going to happen and unfortunately because that's developers and that's progression and, and growth but it's uh you know where where does the wildlife go when they clear like you know especially at like green bank they've just wiped out a whole heap park ridges just wiped out a whole heap so where are you starting to see a lot of this happen in the logan area okay for the logan area in particular our most popular areas are those estates that are surrounding um, areas that have just been cleared so you might be at Park Ridge and um, you know they're sort of moving into smaller pockets of Park Ridge which are diminishing before our very eyes um, in those situations all our wildlife I'm talking like from uh, we've got hawks uh, brown goshawks that are nesting out there we've got cockatoos we've got black uh, sorry red red breasted black cockatoos that come in um, echidnas uh, obviously all our mammalians uh, wallabies, our eastern grey kangaroos, all those kind of things, as well as our reptiles. They have three options once the developers get in there, and that's either they stay there and they die because they can't get out in time. Number two is they're normally forced across the road. If they survive, they have to be, um, you know, have to try and make a new home where they're going to, if they're fortunate enough, to find another pocket of bushland. But the problem there is there's already an established ecosystem. So if you get one magpie that's in one tree taking care of one pocket of bushland, and his tree's knocked down and he needs to nest in the bushland next to it, those magpies will most likely fight to the death, so leaving only one. So even if they're not killed at development, they'll be sometimes, actually many times over, killed once they move into the other established areas. And the option three is that they've got to move into our homes, our backyards, our front yards. In the case of like your big coastal carpet pythons, they'll be in your roofs. Uh, statistically, one in three homes in Australia actually does have a snake in it, especially during winter months. You know, you get your blue tongues that are going to be coming in in abundance in your gardens, your bearded dragons, the eastern water dragons. So many, there's an absolute plethora of animals that have got to, if they survive, I've got to relocate and we've got to learn to try and live with them. So, southeast uh, Logan City in particular, yeah, as, as I was saying back before, if you've got a property, you know, fence lines on untouched bit of bushland, that gets cleared out, I can guarantee what's in your backyard's about to be a whole new array of wildlife having to move in there. So um, all those areas around the bushland is where we're seeing not just snakes, but everything has to move, like koalas have got to move, kangaroos have got to move. It, it's just, uh, it's really sad. Frogmouths, all that kind of stuff. Do you, this could be controversial, but do you think that developers should do more? I definitely do think that they could integrate into their businesses or their uh, companies to have a fauna and wildlife spotter and I know that this is a role amongst uh, many places nationwide where someone can go in there, they can clear out the kangaroos, the koalas, uh, they can have a good look around the bushland and find what's on the ground, they can sort of relocate those things. Uh, it's not implemented in all councils where someone is paid to go, or even if they're not, I would do it for free, I seriously would and I, I, I happily would. I'd go out there if they gave me the heads up and said they're clearing out three acres down here on Park Ridge Road. If I knew that, I'd be down there and I would just do it on my own back because I just love these animals and we really do need them around. So I think that they need to make it like a more serious role in every council, every shire, whatever it might be, to have people go in there and clear these animals out, put them into places that they're not run, so they're not running out, getting killed, 
getting run over by cars, whatever it might be, having to go into people's homes but move them to another good pocket of land where perhaps they might be able to, uh, you know, survive. So I definitely do think that, yeah, we do need a, a, a position or a role for someone, maybe a couple of people, to go start doing these things and start saving the wildlife. Yeah, well, good luck with that one because developers don't even want to put more roads in, you know, and that's that's what we're seeing and stuff like that. So let's let's talk about if you, you, you stunned me, right, when you said one in three homes in Australia have a snake in their roof, especially in wintertime. So, so guys, go and check your manholes right now and see what's up there and uh, give Aussie a call. <laughs> so, but what, what should someone do if – okay, let's – just a typical typical home here in Brisbane, and there's a snake. Like, what should most people, right? And this and this is most people go to them with a shovel and kill them. That's the very first instinct of a human when they see a snake is just to kill the snake. What are the tips? And you know, if it's slithering across, and like, should they follow it? Like, what are the tips if someone finds a snake in their home? Okay, if you are able to back away from the animal, uh, the, the snake, you know, doesn't matter what it is, just back off if you can. Keep your eyes on it, and um, the best thing I can say right now is to definitely uh, make a phone call uh, to uh, my business, uh, Oz Capture Snake Relocations, or if I'm not in a particular area, you know, definitely call out a qualified snake handler who can relocate the animal for you. Uh, we really do need these guys around. They're nature's free pest control for you. Uh, they keep the rats and mice and uh, you know under control in a in such a huge way. We really do need them. So the best thing to do is yeah, if you do see them, back up, give someone a phone call straight away. Keep your eyes on the animal. I don't know how many times I've had to go to callouts and I've had a lady ringing on the phone and she's been absolutely panicking, screaming on the phone. She's locked her back door up. She's gone and hidden in her bedroom. Made a phone call to me. I've got the half an hour later on, and that snake's gotten half an hour head start on me and moved on because I won't just sit there and go and I'm a snake. Leave me alone. Once they're disturbed pretty much every time that they're either going to pretend that they can't be seen in camouflage or think that they can't be seen or they're going to, you know, do the run. Snakes do not chase people. Um, they don't uh, stalk people. They aren't premeditated thinkers in regards to, you know, attacking humans. It doesn't happen like that, and that's a fact, and I'll, I'll put my business on that. That's um, it, It's all uh, folklore and all that kind of stuff. Uh, statistically, uh, off slide off subject, you know, we lose two to three people per year uh, from snake bites, Normally about one or two of those people that we do lose per year are actually, you know, blokes around a campfire on a Saturday afternoon. They've got a gut full of, you know, uh, of, of, of piss and they see a snake and there's always one who's got the uh, testicular fortitude to go up there and say, oh, I'll go pick it up, I'll move it. He's one that gets bitten and uh, other times uh, the other one that might die is someone trying to shovel it. Like snakes can strike at such a fast rate, it's not funny. They really can't. And, you know, the other person we might lose per year is um, summer situation. Dad's come home, he's left his steel cap boots outside. Storm's coming over. Shit, better bring the boots inside. He's brought them inside. They've stayed there. It's rained and carried on all night. He's gone to bed, woken up the next morning, gone and put his, uh, his work socks on, you know, slipped his foot into his work boots. He didn't know there was a, you know, one foot long Eastern Brown in his shoe. Got bitten. And the thing about Eastern Browns is you rarely ever feel the bite. A two metre long Eastern Brown fangs is only a couple of, mil a couple of millimetres long and uh, their venom actually doesn't work through the blood system, it's lymphatic. So it could be quite a while before you realise you've even been bitten. By then it could be too late. Now on another side subject too, we lose, you know, over 20 people die from, you know, falling off horses per year. We lose seven or eight kids per year trying to steal food out of vending machines. So to lose on average two to three people per year via snake bites, and as I said, 66% of them were completely preventable. Snakes aren't dangerous 
to us, they aren't deadly. They're defensive animals who just don't, you know, don't don't kill them. Don't try and be the hero around your friends. You know, just just leave them be, or yeah, give us or someone who's licensed uh, a phone call. Just ring Aussie. <laughs> That's all you need to do, eh? Yeah, you'll come out and uh, so and uh, you'll catch them. So uh, look, mate, I think uh, mate, we've only got thirty minutes. How good's that? So. Yeah, no, nah, that's good, mate. So, guys, um, look, like I said, the whole way through this podcast, look up Aussie on uh, on Facebook, and um, we'll uh, we'll probably put up a phone number and stuff for people as well too. So, you know, if they do have some snakes, and this is mainly for you know the people in the Logan area here in Brisbane, you know, where we are seeing a, a huge spike, and uh, I'm guessing that's going to increase in summer when it gets a lot hotter. Uh, they're searching for water and stuff like that. So. You know, look, guys, snakes are animals. They're friendly. You know, they might look scary, but uh, I still hate them. Um, but I won't kill them. So, but look, mate, um, thank you for coming in. I, I do appreciate it. Uh, you know, we, we hooked this up about a week ago, so I've been very excited to, to have this interview with you today and uh, we'll do some more of these for sure. So, guys, uh, thanks very much, Glenn, Aussie, Lawrence, for coming in. You've been listening to Chris Gilmore On Demand. Any final words? Yeah, I just want to say keep an eye out on your pet's behaviours in the backyard. If you see them going to the backyard and they look like they're trying to attack something, there's a good chance they are. Keep an eye out for them. Oz Capture Snake Relocations, we actually do rescues as well. So if you see an owl hit by a car and it's still alive, if you see a blue tongue that might have been run over, it's missing its tail, been attacked by a cat or a dog, please give us a phone call. Our rescues we do, we don't charge for them. That's just something that we do to, you know, further rehabilitate and uh, look after these animals that have been injured and you know we we cover pretty much all animals there so yeah we do rescues as well that, that's not going to cost you a cent so yeah give us a ring if you do see injured wildlife and yeah we'll be straight onto that and help out the animals well it's a free service how good's that so all right guys well thanks for tuning in love to hear your feedback post a comment if you've got any questions when we post this podcast you know glenn aussie is going to absolutely see it anyway so if you've got any questions for aussie just ask put them in the comment section Uh, He'll be more than happy to answer them and educate us all. So thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to Chris Gilmore On Demand.